Hey folks, hope your Q3 and Q4 is off to a good start. We just wrapped up Founder 500 in Austin, Texas. Hundreds of bootstrap founders showed up. It was an amazing time. I loved meeting so many of you. This interview today is a recording from that session, which you're going to love because now we have visuals, we have the founder teaching, and I made every single speaker include their revenue graphs and real artifacts in their presentations. Without further ado, let's jump in. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Please welcome to the stage, Gilles Alouche. Hello, hello, good morning. My name is Gil, I'm the founder and CEO of Metadata. It's been a while since I've been on stage. In the next 20 minutes, I'm gonna tell you a few, uh, a few cool things. The first one is how I almost died, how Metadata really almost crashed about 45 days from death, and then how we got to where we are today. So three parts of this story, but I'm gonna focus on the first two first. These are kind of the meat of the story. The first one is how we hit product market fit and had 45 days left. Then how we got over that near that experience, invested a lot in growth, how it actually worked out and get, got us to where we are today. But got us to where we are today without forgetting that, that PTSD. Throughout this presentation, I'm gonna walk through chronologically where we are. So it starts in, in the beginning of 2020. We just hit product market fit. It looks good. It looks good, you know, it's $2 million in ARR. For me, that was a dream. We only launched in the middle, in the middle of 2019. So in about a year, we got to 2 million ARR. That was amazing. We were super happy. What you don't see is that our cash was running out. How many of you were in this situation when you have a couple months, three months of cash left? Raise your hand. Awesome. I'm in a good company. I couldn't fucking sleep at night. Every night I went to sleep sweating. I have still, we have a lot more money in the bank now. I still get daily cash balances because I still need to know that we have plenty of cash in the bank. Still, I swear to God. So during that time, I was losing sleep, and I thought my baby that I worked on for about three and a half years back then is going to crash and die. So we, we made a few very drastic, very drastic moves. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk to you about what else was happening throughout that time, because we got some offers, some VC offers, some M&A offers from sharks who saw us bleeding. But this is what we did to get out of it. So if you're in this position where you're 45, 60 days away from, from cash, from cash death, I recommend that you take a big breath and realize that you still have control over your business. Because cash is something that you can get if you can make defensive moves and offensive moves. You can totally get out of it. I, I totally had to convince myself it's possible. And after about a month, month and a half of actions, we got out of it. So a few things that I did or we did to get out of it. First one, 
I went back to the board and said, hey, the goal I came up with in the beginning of the year, forget about it. It's not going to happen. And I negotiated about two-thirds of that goal. And they agreed. The second one was a painful one that each and every one of you probably went through, which is layoffs. We, we reduced our workforce by about a third. And of course, some of those were low performance, etc. But many of them were amazing people that we really had to lay off because we just couldn't pay for it. And a few cool things happened. I actually had one employee who emailed me, I think he slacked me, and told me, Gil, I really want to stay here. This is an amazing company. I'm, I'm staying here for free. And he worked for free for about six months until we got back on track. And then we paid him a lot of money. And now he's a, he's a director somewhere. Uh, amazing, amazing person. This kind of shit happens when you're in adversity and everyone's kind of tied together. Another thing is that all of us took a 20% cut. Everyone, of course, including myself, every VP, every employee in the company took a 20% cut. We paid all of those people back. That, that six months cut compounded plus equity, additional bonus equity, after we got back, back on track. But, but in that time when we needed cash, it was there. We also did something cool that I couldn't believe was happening, which is all the AEs who are very cash, you know, kind of cash operated, they converted 50 to 100% of their commissions into options, into common options. That got, got them a lot more invested in the business and got us about a million dollar cash back into the business. We also did something that you might find some sketchy, but truly, that's the only way for us to survive. We stopped paying anything that is not essential. For example, what is essential? $800 per month rent, because we had to work from somewhere. Cloud, we had to pay uh, DigitalOcean something. American Express, not essential. Got a phone call every day. Sir, are you gonna pay your debt? No, I'm not gonna pay a dollar of my debt. My credit score went down to 500. That's okay, I still have a business. <laughs> I also took every possible loan on earth. Everyone, I didn't have founder path back then, unfortunately, but every possible loan you can, you can imagine. Government loan, government loan number two, credit card, Amex, Wells Fargo, accounts receivable revolving credit, every possible debt you can take, I took. So that we have a month, two months, more payroll. Now, during that time, I want to say one thing. I got a term sheet, a $4 million term sheet from a green entrepreneur, a shark, who saw that we we're struggling. That term sheet, if I took it, my company wouldn't be around anymore. That, that would convert all of the preferred to common. It wouldn't make B, like, I would still be in a good place. He kept my, my equity, so on and so forth, but that would mean that all of my early investors will go to trash. Um, and I didn't take it. I didn't take it because there is one big concept that I want to, if there is one thing I want you to remember from this, from this talk, we'll talk about it in a second. We also did a, a small hack when we opened up a convertible note to the existing investors and friends. We opened up the C note, we said a million dollar because we need about eight to, to, to 12 months of runway and we started bringing people in. We had some customers investing. I'll never forget when I had one of my seed investors in the worst time of the company. I mean, this is not a good time for the company. He invested 50K from his own family trust. That took me from depression to very powered. Like it was a small move that someone did that just got all the confidence in me. And, and I'll never forget that. Those are the kind of moments that you can see who are your friends. Now, there are some offensive moves we took. You can't just be, you know, if you're defending all the time, you can't really win. So we made all those defensive moves so that we buy ourselves time. But what are we going to do with that time? So we hired a team that were all former customers and all 
already sold metadata in their company as a partner. So they all knew the pitch, they all believed in the product, they all worked together before, amazing. We also spiffed, we gave an additional incentive for salespeople to get upfront payment. You get the cash ahead of time, buys us runway, customer gets a discount, and the AE gets additional money. This is essentially similar to doing uh, accounts receivable debt. But instead of giving the debtor that money, you get it. I also picked up the phone and called every customer in the book. We didn't have that many back then. I think it was like 35 customers. But I called every customer and asked them how we can help. This was like recession time, you know, a little shit show. Asked them if I can help them with services, free data, anything they needed. And guess what? I learned that a piece of our product, not the entire thing, but a piece of our product was recession proof. That was a piece of product called MetaMesh that we actually launched separately. And we only learned that because we realized the customers were telling us, I will still pay for this piece because I need it for today's days. And then I had a very interesting conversation with my marketing person, which I'll talk about in a second, where I cut his budget by two thirds and I told him actually no hires and you still have to meet, to, to meet the, the same goals. And he figured out what I'm gonna do. I told him, whatever you're gonna do, don't do what you were planning on doing before. You have to completely experiment differently. Figure out what to do, not the same thing. If there is one concept that I think everyone should remember, this is something that I go with every day and I try to talk about all the time and I hear my employees talk about it in, in, in company talks, is to never make decisions out of fear. When you're scared shitless, take a breather. If you're still scared, go for a walk, go for a run, do some push-ups, do some psychedelics, smoke a joint. I don't care what you do, but definitely do not make a decision from that mindset because it's always gonna be a bad decision. So never make a decision out of fear, ever. This is something, this is our mantra at Metadata. It's something I really strongly believe in. Now, this is the conversation I had with Jason. Jason is a former customer. He joined Metadata. He was like, oh my God, this fucking amazing product. I want to join. I was like, awesome. We're just about to raise round A. None of that shit happened. He joined in. I told him, you have, I think it was like 40K budget a month. You have two hires. Then I told him, actually, none of that is true. I'm sorry. And he was just like, what the fuck? How am I going to... He came from, uh, he had a 50 people team before he joined. So he was not accustomed to this kind of conversation. But guess what I did with it? This is how it looked like. So 35 demos is the best I could do as a marketer. As you can see, I'm not the best marketer. But he, he was able to take that curveball and exceed the goal with a third of the budget. These are, true, these are true numbers. He was able to experiment over and over and over and over until he found an arbitrage opportunity, an arbitrage experiment it's called conversational ads, which I'm gonna show you in a second, the next slide. And that got us bottom of the funnel demo request. Not leads, not interest, not lead syndication. This is our ad telling people, you wanna buy our product, bring the person, our ideal customer profile on the line, and in return, we'll give you a gift card. Very simple, works like magic. Still works like magic. Last month, 600 demos from this campaign. This is how it looks like. It's not complicated. You can set it up in half an hour. I'd love for you to set it up with metadata, but I have a feeling that none of you wants to spend $3,000 a month on metadata, so you can just do it in the channel, in LinkedIn. Not complicated, this will get you leads. If you want this hack, we have a full blog post, the full playbook to do it in the channel. Just shoot me an email after this and I'll send you the link. 
Do you guys care about valuation right now, specifically your valuation? Do you think you might raise soon or sell a portion of the company? There is no other tool on the internet that you can use to get a better and higher valuation than FounderPath's new valuation tool. We have over 253 deals that went down over the past 30 days, all the revenue numbers, all the valuations, and the multiplier. That way you can go filter the data, find companies that are your same size, what they sold or raised for or at, and then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game, less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products. That's plural forward slash valuations. Again, both plural founderpath.com forward slash products forward slash valuations. Another nice hack, international employees. I see a lot of international people here. You could hear I don't have a Boston accent or an Austin accent. This is from Israel. And so I can tell you international employees are a fucking hack. They're amazing. Why? Because they're very hungry. You give them an opportunity that doesn't exist in their local environment. You heard about this guy who makes $5,000 is like a king. That's our people. I have this, this woman, this badass woman in my company. She reached out to me when she went to apply to a customer success boss. Uh, customer, she is a boss. Customer success manager. She is a, from Venezuela, moved on her own to Mexico City. She told me, hey, I want to work for a company. She made 30 grand the first, first year. She's making 120 a year and a half later. These are the kind of people. Now, she's, she closed about a million and a half uh, of revenue, I should also mention. So million percent worth it to bring in international employees. Some good things, some good bad things. Good things, hustlers and owners. You're going to get people who are going to be very hungry, going to work really, really, really hard. Better economics. You don't, you know, it's contractors, so none of the benefits and, and complications. They also have a culture clash, which is good and bad. They wake up the rest of the company. If you only have North America employees in your culture, it is half the story. It's amazing, but it's only half the story. The world is bigger. So if you bring those people from other countries, they bring in the hustle and culture and hunger that doesn't exist in a place of comfort. So highly recommend bringing those people. Absolutely worth it. And uh, you have to figure out the, the time zones. And that's something you can do. That's one of the cons you have to figure out. Our company is 100, 120 people. 60 people are international. We're full remote. And it works. The next hack is people work together before. This is kind of the opposite of the last one. This is instead of bringing diverse from everywhere, you actually bring the same group that already worked together before, proven itself. So we, we brought five AEs who knew each other. They already knew how to work with one another. They ramped each other up. They were super knowledgeable. And all of them crushed the numbers. They, their ramp up time was insane. I think in about a month and a half, we were able to get all of them ramped up. So, this is where we almost died, but as you can see in June, we were at about 100 grand and we made it. We didn't die. I remember at some point, I think there was like 17,000 in the bank account. Again, my heart was pounding, but we got over it and we, we, we went up from there. This is the exact scenario of where we were. So two things happened. We made the first round of cuts and all those drastic measures I talked to you about. With those, with those measures and with revenue going up, thanks to Jason, the demos and the AEs, we were able to raise Series A. A minute after that cute TechCrunch announcement of Series A, I went back to the team and said, hey, guess what? Another round of cuts. A lot of curses, but you know what? People trust the leadership. And so we did another round of efficiencies. And after that, 
we went back to our uh, Series A investors to tell them about the cuts, and they said, fuck, that's amazing. Here is $3 million more because you guys are so efficient. So we raised another $3 million uh, in, in, by the way, twice evaluation, and that got us on a smooth sailing, I would call it a path to profitability. We actually were masters of our own destiny, and that's something I will not give up at this point. I don't want to go back to $17,000 in my bank account. And so that was kind of the path we were on. We were closing revenue. We had, at any point of time, based on our cash projections, more than $2 million in the bank account. Having that money, I don't know about you, for me, gives me peace of mind. I can go and speak to an investor like a normal person. I'm not going there like, frazzled, like, please give me some money, I'm about to die. No, it's like, hey, how's it going? Company's doing great. I don't need your money. And then you can actually have a proper conversation with an investor. So this is where we were. You know, demos crushing it. Legitimately, these are the numbers. This is like 550 per, per quarter. Again, last month, we generated five to 600 demo requests, inbound demo requests from our ideal customer profile, from our named accounts. This is from some of those hacks I was mentioning before. So we're here now. So we're at uh, $5 million, we ended the year, we're doing good, we have plenty of money in the, in the bank. And now we're like, okay, now what? Okay, we definitely have the muscle of, of survival. What are we gonna do with this? So we moved to a different stage, call it thrival. Back in that day, I, I was reading this, this book by uh, Tehi uh, from Storm Ventures, from survival to thrival. And this is the definition. I really wanted to be there because I was in the survival mode. PTSD every day. This is instead a better state. This is when you want to invest in growth, you have to forget about the previous stage that you were in. Don't forget the muscle, but forget about the previous stage for a second. Don't worry all the time about being defensive and go into offensive mode. So this is what we did. First of all, where, where did we end up? We ended that year at almost 12 million, trying to be accurate, almost 12 million in ARR. So two and a half, roughly two and a half X growth. How did we do it? One, we actually invested heavily in sales and marketing. I went back to Jason, all of your budget back, all of your hires back, AEs, let's hire more. We did a lot of growth, a lot of investment into the future. Two, we actually went back to the team. Every time we did great, in April, in July, and I think in September, we went and increased the goal three times. So the goal initially was nine. The end goal was 12.2. We did like 97 of that goal. Like we were able to, to, to achieve almost all of the third bigger goal, which was beautiful. Always pushing yourself a little bit further, especially when you're growing. I remember hearing from uh, outreach CEO, Mini Medina, that in the middle of the year, they doubled the ARR goal. I learned from that, applied it, it worked. It doesn't always work. FYI, this, this year it didn't work. But, but that year it did work. One thing that it, it, it affected is myself. I became a much humbler, more transparent CEO. Every time we have an all hands meeting since 2020, I show my company how much money we have, how much runway we have, uh, the growth, the good, bad, and the ugly. They know everything. They're with me, so they know everything. And they always, I always get a phone call about uh, how transparent we are and how it helps people really understand where they stand. All those beautiful metrics about our growth. So, you know, we grew, our ASP grew, uh, you know, the velocity grew. And this is where we found ourselves. About a year ago, this is where we were. This is pre-Series B. We had almost 9 million in the bank. We were only burning 200K, so you can see we have 
years and years of runway. We got our fourth patent. And this is where we had, I had the best conversation with VCs. I used to hate pitching to VCs, not anymore. When you're in a good place, conversations with VCs are awesome. So we had money in the bank, suddenly we're getting term sheets. And this is the kind of conversation we can say, look, I don't need the money because we're on the path of profitability. We may not grow 3x, we may grow 1.5x, but nevertheless, we don't need the money and we don't need the money. Banks give you a lot of money and also VCs. So this was the good part. Uh, technology was differentiated, we were growing big time. And not everything is good to this date. To this date, not everything is good. We're not yet everything checked. If we were, probably we'd be in a different place. We're still fi fixing retention and we're still thinking, try, trying to fix the, the category creation. But this was the state in which we were able to raise a $40 million Series B in a very healthy way. I was able to turn down many term sheets because I had a confidence that my company is doing well regardless of that raise. And as a small gift to the attendees of this, uh, of this session, if you just put F500, you go, click on that link, you get the exact deck that we used for raising our Series B. That's it. With that, I finish my session.